0: Hi, and thank you for joining us on the pilot episode of Realistic Sustainability, the podcast. Uh, I'm Mike Nazarian, one of your hosts, and I'm with Nicholas Nazarian. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me. Hey, thanks for being here. Nick will be joining me on most of our ventures into becoming a more sustainable person. Nick is the host of the Live Launch podcast. He's also the star of Melting Me. How do you feel when I say star?
1: I am not comfortable with it. It still makes me feel a little um, self-conscious and insecure. Uh, while Melting Me is by me and about me, I don't really look at myself as a star, just a person trying to better their life. Well, and that's, that feeds right into here.
0: Sustainability is about bettering our lives and everyone else's around it. So and I'm, I'm going to stick with star. That's just how it's going to have to be from this point going forward. You're also a professional chef, and that's where a lot of your expertise come into, especially with sustainability, is so that how not to waste food.
1: Yeah, I mean, for sure. There's definitely a lot to learn when it comes to the efficient use of an item or a product, especially when you look at a fresh produce, since it is so seasonal.
0: Excellent. Well, I look forward to going through this journey with you week after week occasionally we'll add some people with us but hopefully you and I can discover a lot of these things together and have a good time doing it. As I said before, I'm Mike Nazarian. I'm the author of the Beginner's Guide to Greening Your Life. I'm also the creator of livelaunch.org and greeningyourlife.org and I'm also by profession an engineer. I have a bachelor's degree in energy and sustainable systems and a master's degree in engineering. So, I really, really enjoy sustainability from an engineering aspect. The reason why we talk about realistic sustainability, when I say that to you, Nick, what does that mean to you?
1: Without getting too deep into the details right now, sustainability always seems like something that is over my head. Not that it's unobtainable or that I can't do it. The general lack of knowledge and how to effectively apply it into my life, I, I don't really know a lot. And so when you say realistic sustainability, I look at it as possibly easy things that I can do in my life to help out, small changes I can make, maybe things that will be kind of effortless or painless that aren't really going to have a negative effect on my overall quality of life.
0: And honestly, I think you've hit it on the head there because far too long and far too often, we've only shown the, the long reach things, the hard to do things. We, we almost made it painful. Living off the grid, for an example, is a very difficult thing to do in today's world. But we make it sound like everybody has to do it to have a sustainable household. The goal is to just get better. Because if we would have started that in the 80s when or even mid-70s when a lot of these red flags started going up with studies from Shell or uh, inconvenient truth being released, all these different things that pre-warned us If we would have started making small changes then, we would be sitting in a much better spot than we are today. Today, half the people still don't believe it's true. So we want to look at things that are important to the overall community, to the environment, and our our personal health, both mentally and physically. And these small little changes that we can pass down to our children. So with that being said, this show will be a little bit different each, each time you hear it. You're going to hear... Uh, clips that might or might not involve family members of mine asking me questions. Nick is laughing at me at the moment. Or you'll hear shorts, which are primarily mine, which are educational shorts that will just kind of teach you topics like greenwashing or uh, sustainability as a term itself. And then there's episodes, which this pilot is the episode where Nick and I talk about what whatever that topic is that week. There's interviews, which, Nick disagrees with me at the moment, but I believe interviews should be done by Nick. If you uh, have an opinion over time, please add it in the comments, because a person who studies sustainability shouldn't always be asking the questions. Nick likes sustainability as a fan, and I think you get better questions there. So as we get going, if you feel one way or the other, make sure you tell us. We will blush whichever one wins that argument, but we also want to... Add in roundtables. Nick, so what do you think is the importance to a roundtable discussion about sustainability?
1: I think the importance of a roundtable for any topic, period, is to be open and accepting of other perspectives and points of view. You always will think you're right if you're stuck in your own echo chamber, but when you sit down with other people that are from different avenues of life, it allows you to be uh, more receptive for different perspectives. So I think that that in itself is a very valuable thing that we can do. Okay. What do you want to get
0: from doing podcasts based on sustainability?
1: I want uh, some perspective. I want to have things, you know, I want a different way of thinking to be illustrated for me in a way that I never would have conceived it. I have a very unique perspective on life and so does everyone else. When I say unique, I do mean that. No two people are going to be the same. When we sit down with, you know, A few different individuals and they can say, well, this is what I think or this is my perspective or this is how it relates to me in my life. Maybe something they're doing could be beneficial for my family, for you, for me, for things that affect us in our day-to-day activities. So I look at it as a, a moment to learn and to grow and to share new ideas and thoughts and maybe to kind of move forward with all of our overall wellness.
0: That's exactly well, that's I very much hope that that's something we can all get from this. I, there's so many aspects to sustainability. A lot of people think corporate responsibility. Some people think waste. Some people think energy. I'm an energy nut. My brain immediately goes to energy. But there's sustainable thinking. There's health aspects, physical health aspects that are tied to sustainability. Absolutely. And I'm hoping that over time, not only will we get to explain the ones we know, but discover together the ones we didn't. When we start bringing other people in, they're not always going to be sustainability experts. I hope they're just a different person with a different personality with a different perspective. Because if you're listening, maybe your perspective is different than ours. And getting the feedback on a regular basis is how sustainability moves forward. Because because it's been ignored or not taken all that seriously, it doesn't have concrete systems. And that's when we talk about this realistic sustainability, is because of these lack of concrete systems. People tend to go to, you must have an electric car, without thinking about the wide-scale effect of that answer. They may say, you can only eat locally sourced foods. Sometimes this is not necessarily a locked-in truth. Your family may have other nutritional needs. What we want to think about is when we can, do we? Are are we educated enough? When you look at, for an example, pick something you would like to buy, a new shirt, for an example, and you see two of them sitting side by side, both of them are equally appealing. Have you ever thought, I'm going to make this decision based on what's on the tag, what it's made out of, where it came from, its process of being made? Or do we just look at those two shirts and say, this one's blue. I like the blue one better.
1: I think that most people operate in the realm of the latter. They look at the color, of the design, the logo, the thing they like. That's what we shop for. We look at a brand we like, we hunt for it. I think that in the realm of sustainability, or in maybe in the more so the ideals of it, I think that's going to involve a better education as to where do our products come from, where does our food come from, what does it take to get us here, what does it take to get this item here? You know, maybe both those shirts are from local companies. Maybe that one company gets all of its textiles from some place in China or somewhere overseas, or they get they get it from Canada or they get it you know from a smaller country thousands of miles away maybe it takes a lot more to get here maybe it may only be 1695 but it took a very long period of time and a lot of energy and work to get that item to your local store right I think that when you think about that kind of stuff when you think about realistic sustainability the the key part of it is how it's functionally possible to do it in your day-to-day life and for me I think it's something that people should elect to do. It, they should make the, you know, the, the conscious choice. This is what I want to do. And I say that meaning that the choices that I'm going to make and that I have made are things that are easily to apply to my family. You mentioned, you know, we should only eat locally sourced food. Okay, great. That's really easy to do seasonally. What do you plan on eating in the winter?
0: <laughs> or when will you ever have an avocado?
1: Unless yeah. you move. I mean, yeah, I, lo- I love citrus fruits. I don't really feel like walking to Florida for an orange. <laughs> so the reason I say all that is because I believe that it, it independently and uniquely applies differently to each person that's going to be here. I am terrible about purchasing things because I want them in that moment on a whim. I'm an impulse shopper. Hey, it's blue. I like it. doesn't matter that I have four in different colors and that I don't need it. Is that very sustainable? No, especially not the my checking account. Right. But if you, okay, so you have this, what you would call a limitation,
0: but if you did other things that are sustainable that you wouldn't have done yesterday, mm-hmm. if, if today is your watermark and we start on this pilot thinking about being more sustainable, okay, we only have to be a little more sustainable each day.
1: I I understand that. We only
0: have to get a little better. If one of those things that means life is flavorful is to get some of these items. Okay. In most cases, and I'm going to say it now, I know a lot of listeners, you know, are minimalist or are nature-driven and oriented, and I care very much about our environment. But things I will say will violate some of the norms, they will be a little different than what we've always heard. My answer is, if you weren't doing anything to be better, everything you do to be better from this point going forward is part of your positive footprint. You are now making changes for the better that you wouldn't have been prior. So, yes, it's not great to have five of the shirts that use a tremendous amount of water, die, and have been shipped from the other side of the planet. But if you start recycling, here at home. Or I was just thinking this while you were talking. I live just a handful of blocks from the building we record in, but yet we drove. I could have taken those items, thrown them in my backpack, and we could have walked up here. I wouldn't have started the truck. I wouldn't have used the fuel. I wouldn't have taken up a parking spot, and I wouldn't have clogged our roads a little more. So now that you think about it, you have to make those changes when you can. Will I do that in the dead of the winter here in Michigan? Probably not. That makes my life not so great and very cold, but I might do it more in the summer.
1: Well, That's part of, you know, easy things to apply to our lives and family. I didn't think about walking up here.
0: Yeah, it's, it, that's what I hope the show becomes, is moments that spark thought. This morning, I had eggs, I had bacon, and I had toast. That is going to make some people listening to this very angry. But I started keeping my shells and cooking them and crushing them and putting them in my garden and my plants. I've started keeping my organic waste ever since the the research on the book and putting it into my own soil. I transplanted a whole bunch of baby spider plants yesterday. I took all the trimmings. I cut them up into small pieces and mixed it into the soil. These are things I didn't do before I started researching for the book. These are things that I do now that are better for my plants I give less waste that is not going to be landfilled. You know, there's, so in this podcast, you're going to hear things that you like. You're going to hear things you don't like. Always feel free to contact us because you know what? I have a book, I have a degree, and you will teach me something every single day. Everyone knows something that someone else doesn't. Put it in the comments. Put it, send me a message. Go to the contact me portion of the website and let me hear it. You might have that put in a sentence that changes my thought pattern. Now, when we look at the different episodes, it might be a little different when it comes to podcasts. Would you agree, Nick?
1: Yeah, I <laughs> very much agree.
0: Uh, we, we will try to always keep these episodes lighter and shorter because I know each and every one of us are busy. And when we, when we learn together, it can't always be an hour. And if you let me talk, it'll be an hour. So we keep timers to keep me honest. And what you're going to see is the clip's the clips are for fun. I want to integrate my family into sustainability, and I want them to have fun in the process. The clips will be a unique one. The shorts are because a lot of sustainability conversations happen without any background. Do you agree with that, Nick?
1: Yeah, I don't have almost any background. I bet you are my background. <laughs> you are my window into a world that I never thought twice about.
0: Well, and I think that the millions and millions of people in this country. There's a lot of things that we grew up, you know. The guy who dies with the most toys wins. You know, they never bring up the fact they mean he's dead and he doesn't get to take those toys. But there's, a, we grew up in a in an era where things were important. That the collection of stuff was a, was an actual goal. And I think there's millions and millions of people across the United States and the world who. I haven't broke this thought process yet. People tend to avoid climate change because it moves so slow. The change is so slowly. I've actually had family members tell me, "I'll be dead before then." And in the '90s, '80s, and '90s, they had this whole ad program of "Leave a better Earth for your children," and at least in the United States, we all collectively heard that and went, mm, "Nah." <laughs> <laughs> Because the result is the nah. We didn't, we are not leaving a better world. And it is very important for me, my family, to at least talk about it. To at least talk about the things that can make a difference. Does industry really have to do the majority of it? Absolutely. I would love to say we can all start recycling at home and it changes everything. It doesn't. What it does do is it changes the culture. One of the things that you'll hear about in these episodes is you vote with your dollars, not just your vote. When we choose to buy a plastic bottle over a can, when we choose to purchase things that are not quite as sustainable as the sustainable options, when I buy a bag of apples that was shipped from China, when I live in Michigan, which is known for apples, I'm making decisions that are just simply not sustainable. I could have just as easily bought the apples from Michigan. So, I really hope what happens here is that we just create an awareness that when someone goes somewhere, they think of it. And I'm going to say this because I don't know if, I'm, if I should or if I shouldn't, but uh, Sean Humphrey, the editor of the book, read the book to edit it, not read the book to enjoy it. And he called me one day and said, awfully funny. I bought a reusable container and have been using it for my coffee every morning and didn't realize that I did it, that it wasn't something I usually do. I just kind of, by habit, did it. And I asked, well, why? Well, we go through this many paper cups in the United States. If I have this and use it on a regular basis, that's less waste. I've never thought about that until just now when I looked at my hand and saw my reusable cup. He had made changes in his life subconsciously.
1: Well, that's that's proof that people will make a better decision if they're properly educated on the effects of their actions. Whether he realized it or not, he did it. He just did it because he never thought about it. He didn't know. It wasn't above his head. It wasn't something he was incapable of comprehending. He just didn't know. Now he does. Well,
0: and here we are 40 years after people really started talking about planet sustainability. And even some of the most basic concepts are not mainstream. They're not taught in schools. Sustainability isn't a class in youth schools. I mean, really, kindergarten or elementary school should have some elements of understanding these things. It's not there. That even most adults, like I said earlier, a
1: large chunk of adults think it's a hoax. Yeah, that is very, very true. I think that part of the irony is that in the 80s and the 70s wasn't that far removed from the generation that did use reusable everything. There was a time when all soda bottles were glass, when pop wasn't available in aluminum cans, it wasn't available in plastic bottles, where milk was sold in a reusable glass jar, where things were recycled, they were cleaned, they were sanitized, they were reused, and the waste was much, much less. It amazes me how fast things have degraded or went to a disposable nature, and even though that generation that grew up with everything being reusable is still here and they're still alive. And they were raised by the generation that went through the great depression who saved and reused things that you would never consider saving and reusing mm-hmm. butter dishes, bread bags, zip tie or twisty ties. That this is such a problem now that, and I do believe it's a problem. I, I am as ignorant as the next person. There's tons of it that I don't know. I don't know 99.9% of it because I, I've never been educated. It's never been brought to my attention. I don't believe that I can't learn it. I don't believe that it's above my head. I don't believe that this is just for people with college degrees. I just believe that I don't know. So I got a person with a college degree, you, <laughs> to teach me. Because I I never would have considered a lot of it. You know, I, I myself have got, I bought um, the steel straws or aluminum. I'm not sure what kind of metal they are, but I did buy metal straws. Because the disposable ones are, you know, they go through billions a year. One box, one single box of disposable straws, costs about three to half to four dollars. They're not expensive, and that's for 500 straws. Now, if you look at that and how many an average restaurant's going to go through, it's ridiculous. The
0: funny it's, thing you, that you talk about that is an average restaurant. Not every straw that gets put on a table even gets used. Still gets thrown away. It just it, but it it's been exposed. Yep. So it has to be thrown away. So even in a world where single use is terrible. Zero use is is way worse. That straw has seen more travel than you have. That straw has come from the other side of the planet just to come to you and have someone at your table go, nah, I'm good, and drink out of their cup and never touch the straw, even though now it's just going to go into a landfill. Yeah. And it's going to sit there for hundreds, even thousands of years, depending on exposure.
1: That's very true.
0: It, and it's funny because while you were talking, glass is recyclable. Yeah. Glass is one of those things that is recyclable. But when you started talking about the bad containers, you threw aluminum in with plastic. Aluminum is another one of those materials that are nearly 100% recyclable. And it's actually cheaper to recycle aluminum than to create virgin material aluminum. To take bauxite, smelt it down, the amount of energy that takes to oh, create yeah, that. Oh, of course. So glass and aluminum can do a lot of what we need. Chances are your straws are aluminum and you will use them until they're dented and beat up and and they will work for your whole life. And if you can't pass them down to someone else, if someone recycles them, they can be straws again. Unlike the plastic bottle, that plastic bottle, that soda bottle, that when we throw that in the recycle bin, about 10% of it actually gets recycled.
1: Because it costs more money and energy to recycle than to throw away. A lot of the problems with plastic is that when to recycle them, more often than not, they've got to remelt them down and they lose a lot of the material that's created. So if you take thousands of pounds of most types of plastic to recycle it, to melt it down, to recast it, to reform it, to repurpose it in any way, you lose a huge amount of what you have as gas into the atmosphere or into the exhaust which then goes into the atmosphere. There's a lot of chemical byproducts that are created in waste to reuse a very small portion. I don't think that, and I'm not a a scientist, but I would assume that it isn't efficient nor effective in terms of cost to try to recycle plastic bottles in that way.
0: On the bottom of every plastic bottle or molded into it is a recycle and a number, Yeah, recycle symbol. Those are the different styles of plastic. Okay. So for an example, if you have your soda bottle that you had today, the bottle and the cap are different plastics. Yes. The cap can be recycled. The cap can be recycled and used to do something with it. The bottle itself, the moment you start to heat that up, it becomes brittle. It changes the property of the plastic. It shrinks gets get smaller. This plastic is no longer capable of being a bottle. Now they shred it up into these tiny little pieces, and what they do is they make indoor-outdoor carpet out of it. So there's not much demand for the millions and millions and millions of these bottles that come back to actually be recycled because they do what you call downcycle. You can't use it at the level it was. You have to downcycle it to a a less useful use. Kind
1: of salvage whatever they can out of it.
0: So most of the time, you put those bottles in the recycle bin, they go to the facility to be recycled, and 90% of them still end up in a landfill. So in realistic sustainability, that's still going to happen. It's too much energy, too much cost to do this. Our goal is to get everything that does have a purpose. All your food waste. Uh, I take old clothing and lay them down in the gardens to help block some weeds, give some nutrients, and I don't throw them in a landfill. The plants will slowly rip them apart. Mm-hmm. I try to find ways to use as much as much the items I have as humanly possible as many times. and ho- And in these podcasts, you'll learn why. But if I can take everything else out of the landfill the handful of bottles that I end up with, not by choice, but by a necessity, can go to the landfill.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think the point of this is not to eliminate our carbon footprint, but just to reduce it as much as we efficiently can. Well,
0: and and you'll learn, and it's in the book, about getting a positive footprint. So you have a carbon footprint, mm-hmm. and you can work to reduce that, but you can, there's, there's all these positive actions you can do to offset those few negatives. There's things that you can do to pass down to children, to make sure that it is done generation over generation, to lead to a more sustainable and better world. That kind of offset the things that you need to do to maintain a lifestyle in which you accept. Okay. I I have a lot of admiration for those who live out in the woods, you know, live in a camper. They've minimized their carbon footprint down to such a small amount it's just not how I can live. My household would never be considered sustainable with the five of us in our home. But we continue to improve. We continue to add insulation. We continue to do you know, LED lighting. We continue to block off areas of non-use. We continue to look for ways to get better without damaging our quality of life. And that, I think, is what this show should be all about.
1: I, I agree. I think that I'm going to get a very very much needed education from you and other people in this show, different aspects and avenues of life that I don't have to deal with in my day-to-day life because I do cook. I, I spend most of my time in the kitchen. I believe the biggest thing that I can offer this show is uh, how to best use your leftovers um, because I love food. But I, I really look forward to doing this and I think that there is a lot of it that is going to be easy to digest, I hope, for the average person and people like us, the blue-collar people that just, you know, we just want to, leave something for our kids, leave something for our grandchildren, and we can move forward into the future with uh, good intentions and good influences.
0: Well, and ladies and gentlemen, I hope you stay with us as we continue to add these podcasts week over week. Uh, I appreciate you listening. If you do like this show, I would ask you to share it with a friend. The more people who get to hear the basics of sustainability, the better it is for all of us the more we can share positive influences to pass down generation to generation. I appreciate you listening, and I hope to see you next week. Thanks again. Thank you.